0: Lord, teach us to pray. Amen. Amen. should be just as easy as that, right? I liked how Monica said, help and thank you. I mean, that's really not bad, right? Uh, it should be just that easy. But why is it that uh, we identify so much with the disciples of Jesus? As we hear this story and we think about, here, here are these followers, these Disciples have been following Jesus for a little while at least. I mean, maybe some of them not as long as others, but they have been around Jesus enough to have picked up on some things and and to notice some things about prayer, and yet they are, and they're being honest and open. Lord, teach us to pray. And we identify with them uh, as we find it difficult as well. Don't we? I mean, don't we all have difficulty? understanding how we ought to pray or maybe thinking we're not doing it right? I mean, is there more to prayer than what we see or what we think? Seems like some people have their prayers answered, I mean, just automatically. And then there are others who've prayed for something for years with nothing, nothing ever to come of it, at least as far as they could see. As most always, it is easy for us to find ourselves in the pages of the Bible, right? I mean, have you found yourself in your Bible? No. <laughs> Not yourself? I'll I bet yourself is in there. If you open up your Bible, I can assure you of this. If you take a Bible and open it up at some point this week and you begin to read it, I assure you, you will find yourself somewhere in those pages. You just keep reading until you do. And you'll go, that is me. God has my number. God is speaking to me because this is relating to where I am. It's funny how that works. And I think it really works that way when we come to prayer and not understanding it. But especially in words like these that we've heard today from Jesus as He says them to His disciples. When it comes to prayer, we can easily identify with them having that same request of Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray. We may identify with those disciples because we too don't know what prayer is to look like or what it ought to sound like. Amen. Did Jesus look a certain way when they found Him out praying alone that day? I mean, we don't have a picture other than maybe a flannel graph in Sunday school or uh, we can you know kind of imagine what that was like when they went and saw Jesus as he would often do. He would get away from them so that he could pray. Uh, and sometimes we see um, there there are locations uh, that are reported, uh, like when Jesus goes to the Garden of Gethsemane, we get a visual of what that was like for Jesus to pray. And if you ever go to Jerusalem, if you go to the Garden of Gethsemane, uh, you can see what that would have been like. In fact, uh, you might see that it is rather unchanged from what it would have been like when Jesus was there. Uh, we can visualize in some way, but we have trouble coming to an understanding of what that would have looked like. And Maybe uh, we think there has to be a certain place. I mean, did he have a certain look on his face when he was praying? Or were there particular words or phrasing that they heard him use in his prayers? Maybe they were trying to pick up on that. Maybe it was uh, the way that you you say a a word like God, or a word like uh, prayer, or a word like help. Maybe it is something that they heard Jesus say. Maybe it sounded like a southern drawl, right? Sometimes we think if you draw out your word like Jesus, right, that it has more power than Jesus. Or if you say it in King James Version like we do with our Lord's Prayer... Or maybe it's with a British accent. Everything sounds more proper with a British accent. We may wonder if we should sit or kneel, if we should look up or look down, if we should close our eyes or look to the skies. Our feelings of inadequacy are increased as well. Sometimes when we're around people who have no trouble praying. Launching out there with words of intimacy that you never thought of using for God, right? You know these people, don't you? They'll talk to sweet Jesus, and that's okay. Uh, I mean, however people address Jesus is great. We know that Jesus sometimes would use that word Abba, which uh, was something that really ran against the grain of Uh, the religious elite and the leaders within Jesus' own religion, when Jesus would call uh, God Abba, he was saying Daddy. And that's just kind of odd, isn't it? Or maybe not. And so when people around us pray in those kinds of ways, with those words of intimacy, it makes us think maybe we should do the same thing. And maybe we're just used to referring to God as, you know, the man upstairs maybe not so intimately. We may also identify with those disciples because we don't know where we should pray. Luke reports that the disciples found Jesus in a certain place. Perhaps he and the other disciples thought there was something to that place, that there was power there and maybe not power in other places. Like those people who go out to Sedona, In Arizona, and there's supposed to be this mystical power when you go out there. People travel from all over the world uh, to go to that beautiful place. But because it is this place where people tend to be able to connect with God in ways they can't in other places, they see that as being a better place to pray. And we wonder about that as well. Maybe they even thought of trying out that place on their own. Maybe they thought, well, after Jesus leaves, we'll come back later to see if it works for us. Maybe if we just sit in the same place where he was sitting, then we could have the same kind of prayer life. Don't you sometimes wonder if you are praying in the right place? Like the feeling you get when you're in one of those dead pockets between mobile phone towers? (laughs) Uh, I was talking to somebody, I think it was Jack, talking to Jack yesterday, Jack, my son. And uh, the phone was cutting in and out. I'm not sure if I was in a, a place that I uh, wasn't getting a strong, strong enough signal. In fact, in this room, if you try to make a phone call from in here, it is virtually impossible. I can <laughs> a lot of times y'all just think I'm getting all, oh, I can't hear you. Uh, but actually there's a pocket in here that does not work. And uh, if you're in, in my office or in, in uh, Sabre's office, if you're actually in the office, you're okay. If you walk out here, you, you have no connection. You can't hear and you can't talk, and sometimes it's hard to be able to do that. And sometimes we feel like we're in that place, don't we, where we can't get a connection with God. And we think, if I could get back to the place where I knew that I had a connection, then something could happen and I could have a prayer that is answered. And we feel like we're in those dead places. And we think, are our prayers more powerful when we're in church or when we're driving down the street? When during worship or when we're in the shower? Where things are going well or where things are going not so well? We wonder about the place of prayer, don't we? The great help here in Luke's Gospel is that it doesn't talk about where. It talks about when. Jesus answers their request for a lesson on prayer. I mean, they launch out. Jesus, teach us to pray. Jesus, give us three points. Give us a three point sermon on how to pray. Maybe even four or five points if you have time. But just give it to us, Jesus. We want to be able to do it. And he answers their request for a lesson on prayer by beginning with when you pray, not if you pray. Not if you ever get around to praying, but when you pray. In other words, you ought to be praying. So when you pray, focusing on the when of our prayers will take care of our questions about the where of our prayer, won't it? And really about the how as well. But not knowing what to pray and where to pray are definite points of identification for us. But there's a third one that stands out the most. One that Jesus hones in on with the disciples. And that is how to pray. Like the disciples, we want the practical steps. Do this, then this, and then this will happen. It's like a recipe, right? If you you get all the ingredients and you do things in the right order and the the temperature is just right in the oven or whatever, then you're going to have this beautiful looking product. If you just do it all just like this. And that's what the disciples wanted. So Jesus tells them a story. (laughs) Don't you love that? He he loved doing what they uh, whenever they, they want him to spoon feed them. He would just launch out in a story, just to kind of mix it up a little bit, right? So they would have to scratch their heads and go, "What? Amen. You mean you mean I'm gonna have to think about this? I'm gonna have to dig a little deeper into my soul to understand what God wants me to understand? You mean I'm gonna have to pray about praying? What does this mean, Jesus?" And you know he just smiled when he told him one of these stories. But he tells about a man who needs bread to feed an unexpected guest and goes next door to ask for it. I love this, uh, this painting here. Uh, the man is coming up. Uh, he's out late at night. He's knocking on the door. And you, you see uh, the guy that's coming to the door. He's not real happy, is he? <laughs> he's like, okay, finally. Here it is. If you'll just go away. Uh, But he, uh, you know, the neighbor says, I put the kids to bed and, and is about to nod off himself. And he says, no, the man keeps knocking and knocking, knowing that his persistence will pay off. And it did as the man gets up to give him bread just to get him to leave him be. But before the disciples could start making the annoyed neighbor out to be God. And some people have done that, right? They think, oh, well, Jesus is saying God is the annoyed neighbor. And God really doesn't want us coming to Him. God doesn't want us knocking. He doesn't want us making a lot of noise. God just finally answers our prayer because we bug Him enough. That is not what Jesus is saying. So before they could ever start making out that to be God, He invites them to be the man who kept knocking. He helps them see themselves in this story. He challenges them to pray like that man knowing how bad he needed something the neighbor had, and continued knocking until he got it. Jesus said they could expect the same thing if they prayed like that, if they were persistent with asking, with seeking, and knocking. You hear these action words that are here? That they're to do something. They're to participate with God in prayer. And that's what we are to hear as well as we look to Jesus for help with how to pray. When you pray, be an asker, willing to get out there with your request and unafraid to ask for help. These children down here, when I ask them about going, uh, what, what do they do when they need something, they all very quickly said, I go and ask, right? That's what children do. Children don't come into this world with all the resources and all the knowledge and all the things they're supposed to have. They know to ask. And granted, sometimes they ask Way too often and for way too much, but they know how to ask. Jesus said, You are children of God. And you have a good God. You have a good Father who loves to give to his children. Be an asker, Jesus says. Don't be afraid. I wonder what are we missing when we don't ask God for what we need? What are we missing? What more could we have? And I don't just mean materially, because I don't think Jesus meant just materially. Certainly, give us this day our daily bread is material, but it goes so much deeper than that. But what is it that we could have if we would just ask? Also, be a seeker, knowing what you're looking for and where to find it. This comes from knowing who it is that you're asking. Just like the man knew that his neighbor had some bread in his house. We are to know who God is and what God has for us. Maybe the reason we aren't better at asking God for things is that we have no idea what God is really like. Could that be? Could it be that we have our own image of God that doesn't match up with who God really is? There's a lot that we can learn in Scripture about images of God and how God really doesn't like images of God. And God is always working to break up whatever images that we've created of God to say, no, this is what I'm really like. Isn't that what Jesus did as He... He came into our world. He embodied God. He took on, this was God coming into our world in human flesh to say, look, I've been trying to tell you all along, this is what I'm like. So here it is. Here I am in human flesh. This is me. And this is how we interact together in this world. We are to know who God is and what God has for us. That is for sure. We are to know that God is good, Jesus says, and he gives this illustration about, uh, you know, nobody's going to give their child a snake when they ask for, uh, for a loaf of bread. Uh, no, no one's going to pull a trick or do anything like that to their, to their children. That's not the right way. God is good, Jesus says, and God is a giver. Uh, God is not only the creator and the sustainer of all things, but God is a giver, and continues to give and provide for that which God has created. This is what Jesus said about God. Finally, be the knocker. Be the knocker. Unapologetic about banging on the door until you get an answer. Just like Lake said, bang, bang, bang. Knocking on the, I hate it when people knock on my door. It's unusual these days. And I built a fence around my house to keep people out. <laughs> and if they ever get in my, in my yard, if they can get past my fence and my dogs, and they come and knock on my door, it's annoying, right? They just keep knocking until you come. Jesus said, Be a knocker, keep on knocking, be persistent. If you're like me, you're the impatient kind of knocker. If I don't hear some feet shuffling on the other side of the door, or if I don't see any motion through the window, then I'm out of there, and I'm looking elsewhere, or I'm settling for something less than what I was really asking for. I'm afraid to say I do that with God sometimes in my prayers. Sometimes I'm impatient. And sometimes you are too, aren't you? We have that problem. Are you the kind of knocker who gets discouraged when nothing seems to be happening on the other side? Or are you the kind who won't stop knocking until the door is opened? In an article written for the Sciences uh, Magazine, it was reported that Susan Sheridan, who is a biological anthropologist at the University of Notre Dame, She studied the skeletal remains. That's what these people do. It's kind of creepy. (laughs) Studied the skeletal remains of a large community of monks who lived in 5th century Jerusalem. After examining more than 6,000 skeletal uh, pieces removed from the crypt below St. Stephen's Monastery, she found that the Byzantine monks who lived and died shared an unusual common trait. I mean... She saw this trend, looking at all of these pieces, 6,000 of them. They almost all had bad knees. Indeed, nearly all had some form of damage to kneecaps, to leg bones, and heel bones. And she says, if you consider prayer an occupation, then we have a case of occupational stress. Now, that's a group of disciples that learned how to pray. Their knees showed it. And so will ours when we learn from Jesus how to ask, how to seek, and how to knock. Let's do that now.